Hello and welcome in to NCBI's Technology Podcast. My name is Stuart Lawler. This is episode number 39 for August 2015. And as always, thank you for downloading and subscribing to our monthly technology podcast. Hope you're going to stay with us for the next one hour and six minutes this month, uh, because I'll be catching up again with Ed Rogers, uh, the brains, one of the brains behind the Canute refreshable ebook Braille reader. We'll hear all about that in just a moment and hear about a chance where you can get your hands on the device. Uh, Colin Kenny, our information systems manager here at NCBI, is with us to have a chat. Sharon Lines is along with more shortcuts. This time we're talking about copying files. And finally, John O'Regan from Cork is here to tell us about a new blog he's set up called the A11Y Files. That's all coming up on this month's edition of NCBI's Technology Podcast. Starting us off this month, I'm actually not in studio, I'm not even in the country. I'm at the end of a very long but successful Site Village exhibition here in Birmingham, and I'm sitting across the table from Ed Rogers of Bristol Braille Technology, who was on our February podcast. Ed, it's lovely to have you back. Welcome back. Thank you, Stuart. It's lovely to be back. How are you after two days of Site Village? I've only had one day. How are you after two? I was flagging yesterday, dropping off, but today I think I found a second wind. I'm feeling good. It's good. been such a successful site village and I got some strength on there. Yeah, it was busier than I thought because it was you know, much busier. I, I think people have been saying that site village, because obviously there's been different um, variants of site village around the country, that maybe the Birmingham exhibition was waning a little bit, but it certainly wasn't today. Everyone's, everyone has said when I went there last year, which is my first time, that it was much less than before. And yesterday they were saying, well, it's not too because they only they did an hour less, um, that it was going to be much lesser as well. I think the fact that it was shorter meant that more people turned up on the second day. It was really busy and really lively today. Absolutely. Okay, so look, we're, we're here to talk about the Canute, uh, and if people haven't heard about the Canute, go back to the February podcast and, and have a listen to Ed and Steph talk all about the Canute, because this is, I suppose, a refreshable Braille um, terminal, and it, it's come a long way since uh, since February, hasn't it? It has. In February, we went up, um, we went up to, to meet you in the NCBI, and we we took with us the Mark V, which was um, uh, not entirely user-friendly, you'll agree. It was had lots of exposed wires. It was in a, it was in a briefcase. Um, it looked uh, remarkably like a day dangerous device you wouldn't want to take on a plane. Okay. Uh, this one, we, um, we've got it as a self-contained unit. It's 28 cells by, by four lines. It works fully on its own. We've been testing it for six weeks now with other, without our involvement. It's just been being passed around by various railists around um, Reading and Bristol. And it just keeps working. It's a, it's great. It's got the refresh speed is still still slow, but it's it's a factor of ten times faster than it was uh, five months ago. So when you say it keeps working, people might be wondering, you know, how does it work? What does it do? What what can it do right now? The Canute is just for those people who, did, who missed the last one. The Canute is a a multi line refreshable Braille ebook reader. So that's a bit of a mouthful. It's the world's first multi-line refreshable braille. That's an important point. It's also, it's also designed for reading e-books. It's a specialist device and it's incredibly cheap. It's designed to make braille affordable for people who can't afford thousands, to spend thousands of pounds on a cell display. 
it's uh, going to be available for £440 in the UK and we want to make it available all around the world. Uh, the price point we're going for is uh, we want to be, to be cheaper than a Perkins typewriter. Okay. So at this, at this very moment, the Canute, you mentioned an e-book, e-book reader, it is now reading and opening books, right? It is. We, you, it, has a, it has a memory... Uh, uh, sorry, it has a USB port on the side. You load books in as a, a portable embosser format. We'll put um, BRF format on soon. So you load formatted books in the side. It uh, it loads them onto the Canute, and then the Canute completely standalone from any computer. Gives you allows, allows you to navigate between the books. You can select books, and then you can read all the way through them. It's it's a fully functional ebook reader. So the the really nice thing about this, these portable embosser files can be created in whatever grade the reader wants. So the Canute is not doing any and any language any, any language. Okay, so it's not doing any translations or anything. Is it? It's literally just taking the file. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we we've been we had a lot of people ask us. It might be nice to have some form to have uh, some settings where you could also put just put text files in. It does a translation for you. Um, one way or another, we'll make translation an easier process, but we think it's important that the Canute right from the off is, is multilingual and doesn't, doesn't specify a grade one or a grade two. Okay. What, what, what have people been saying? Because the one thing I, I noticed since I saw this in February, that the quality of the Braille is significantly improved. It's so nice to read. Uh, what have you been getting feedback from people in the last two days? Well, our, our feedback has been pretty similar, to be honest. We've had, we've had a lot of really positive statements about the quality of the Braille. It's very, it's very I think you'll agree, it's very, um, it's, it's very consistent all the way across. There's, you can, there's a very, the, the Braille is very high on the low um, when, when the dots are raised, and it's very prominent. It's easy to read. It's people find it very easy to... Uh, people who've, in the past, have said they've struggled to read Braille are saying on the Canute, it, they, we really like it. It's much easier. It's easier than paper, we've some people say. So it sounds like you've come a, a, a huge way. Well, I know you've come a huge way in, in five, six months. What's next for the Canute? Where, where do you want to go? This is the Mark VI. Uh, we finished it at the end of May. We've tested it for a little bit. We've made two of them. Though We took two of them there to, to the site village today. We've already had a lot of feedback from it, and we're going to use that feedback and the feedback from, the, from site village to make the Mark VII, which we started a week ago. The Mark VII is going to be much smaller. It's going to be about the size, well, it's going to be um, about 12 by 8 inches and then a couple of inches high. It's going to be, um, it's going to have a very fast refresh rate and it's going to load the first line first so that it'll be an almost instantaneous load of the first line so you, there's no wait for, to start reading. Okay, because at the moment the whole page loads at the same time. Exactly, okay. yeah. So you, you'll have a, a smaller device, quicker refresh rate, uh, but, but the same, uh, essentially the same functionality as we have on the, on the current unit. Right. We'll need to add some kind of functionality for um, for converting ebooks. Whether whether the, whether the conversion happens inside the Canute or as a, a nice slick app on a on a PC or a phone is an, is is not is not what we're worried about now. But one way or another, we need to make it easy for people to put their own books on there because we loaded we preloaded some books on there. So that's a very important functionality for us. The other major change we need. Um, we want obviously we want to improve reliability because at the moment it does tend the pins can sometimes still stick up um, and we're very open about this this is still a prototype we like people pointing out when, when they see some errors with it and finally we need to make it really cheap to manufacture now we're starting to we're starting to go towards manufacture so we're starting to, we're going to start to get parts made in on mass okay 
Now, for, for, for people listening, stay tuned on this podcast because in just a few moments, I'm going to be telling you how you can come and see the Canute, the current version that we're talking about in Ireland in early September. So stay tuned. Ed, it's, it's wonderful. It's great work and it's, a, it's great to catch up with you once again. So uh, for the moment, and I know it's just for the moment, we'll be talking to you very soon again, I'm sure. Uh, sincere thanks. Thanks, sure. Thanks. Many thanks to Ed Rogers there. Very nice to catch up with Ed uh, after Sight Village. And, you know, the exhibition definitely was busier this year than uh, I remember it in the last couple of years. Now, if you're interested in getting your hands on the Canute and you want to have a play with it, there are two options uh, from which you can choose. We're very lucky to have the Canute in NCBI at the moment. We've been showing it to a couple of Brailleists and we'd like to continue doing that over the next couple of weeks. If you have availability and you'd like to arrange an appointment to see the Canute between now and the end of August, then please give me a call. You can get me on 087-992-6360 or send an email to technologypodcast at ncbi.ie and I'll get back to you right away. We would like to give as many people as possible a chance to sit down with it. If you want a bit of time on your own, play with it, ask me about it. Uh, So we are happy to arrange appointments for people to pop in to head office here on Whitworth Road and have a look at the Canute between now and the end of August. We only have the device until the end of August. After that, it's going to go to our colleagues in Child Vision, where some of the uh, kids in Child Vision will get a chance to play with it. And then your second option, on the 10th of August, that's Thursday the 10th of August at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we're going to be holding an event at NCBI here at our Rehabilitation training centre uh, at the back of our main offices on Whitworth Road, where Ed Rogers and Steph Tiska will be here to talk all about the Canute and give you a hands-on demonstration and also lots of time to have your questions answered. If you're interested in that event, keep an eye on our website at www.ncbi.ie. We will post final confirmation. We're just uh, making the arrangements for that event. And once everything is confirmed, we will be posting a news item uh, probably in the next week or 10 days. So they're your options. If you want to come and see the Canute right away, give me a call 087-992-6360 or send an email to technologypodcast at ncbi.ie or alternatively, you're very welcome to join us for a public meeting and demonstration on Thursday the 10th of September. Over the last couple of months, as you know, we've been talking to some of the people who make the technology services in NCBI work. We've spoken to Paul Trainer, Gary Warren, who's a technology volunteer, and last month, Connor McGuire, who's also one of our newly recruited technology volunteers. Well, the man who's, I suppose, responsible for a lot of this stuff and overseeing a lot of our technology and making sure it works is a voice well known to many listeners, I'm sure, and that's Colin Kenny. Colin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Stuart. I think we had you once before, but it's great to have you back. Uh, yeah, I'm not pushing anything this time. <laughs> for a more lengthy interview. Um, it'd, be, it'd be just good to find out, first of all, a, a little bit about yourself, because I know you, you use lots of technology, even outside of work. Were you always into tech? Uh, I think so, yeah. Probably from an early age, we, we were lucky enough to get a, a machine at home, so always tinkering around with it. 
So were you one of the early maybe um, adapters to the internet and stuff? Like, was it going back that far? Oh yeah, I remember the internet before it was graphics. It was all bulletin board type stuff, and then all of a sudden, yeah, suddenly changed. It was like, oh, where's this being? Yeah. So you were dialing up with your fifty six K modem. Yeah, still still remember that noise, all right. IOL and all those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, uh, your dad, I think, as most people will know, is blind himself, and um, was was technology the sort of uh, assistive technology, obviously in your in your house a lot I was yeah yeah um, he always had a new piece of tech coming home so um, he would normally pick it up pretty quick or he'd, he'd ask for a hand for yeah. himself the brothers and he always always there to sort of have a look and sort of were fascinated by it so playing around with it any chance we got like so maybe coming into NCBI for you and coming into this job was almost that was it like a natural progression that probably was yeah sure I did it at home might as well get paid for it yeah. <laughs> installing jaws and doing all these yeah, things at home yeah, okay. yeah. Well, what what did you do before you, you worked in NCBI around kind of IT because I've done a few IT, IT jobs yeah I suppose the, the first major role was working for Gateway um, doing their tech support um, that was Sort of halfway through my college course, we picked up uh, a few of us picked up sort of part time work during the summer, and then sort of we'd work doing the the late shift um, after college, going in working till ten. So it's general helpline stuff. It's just very interesting as well. I mean, they were going through a phase where they they had what was called well we sort of termed the the party line where you'd have six sort of callers with the same problem on the line at the same time, and okay. you sort of rotate and help them sort of through. You know, sort of, it was their aim to cut the queues. It didn't. I think it lasted for a couple of months, but it was definitely um, very interesting work. Anyway, I picked up a lot of a lot of information through it. So yeah, it must be a very different experience to doing tech supporting in CBI, where I suppose in here, you know, you you probably know the people a lot better, and it's I guess it's some of the same people who tend to contact you when they get to know you. Do they? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely. You would not get that in a, in a sort of a, a larger organization. Well, I suppose you might if you were just dealing with internal calls, but the fact that we're dealing with service users, yeah, you, you do sort of recognize the voices when they when they ring you. It's, it's sort of, yeah, it's almost a friendly atmosphere. So yeah. it's, it's nice, yeah. yeah. Now, I know you do loads of things in NCBI. There's no point asking you for a typical day because I've literally seen you've had to jump between things. And if something goes down here internally, because I suppose a lot of your work is to look after... The systems that allow all the rest of us to work, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. I suppose the main role that I'm in for is, is for I suppose information systems manager or system admin. So actually, on the day today, yeah, happy systems admin day today. So yeah. So you're you're kind of you're you're installing, you're, you're networking, you're. Any system that uh, staff use to sort of communicate or even turn on basic PCs, mobile phones. Yeah, um, I would sort of. Be, have a hand in either setting up the systems that run on it or or the actual devices that they use so yeah okay. and, and are there a lot of people I suppose just in general are you finding people are much more mobile now are people using uh, their mobile devices to access um, some of the systems in here there are, they are definitely um, we've seen an increase in the mobile use for email so yeah there are always sort of uh, in touch with that there's some systems that they can use to share files as well that's that's going right down to the mobile level as well so it's, it's getting more definitely more mobile friendly okay now when when service users i suppose engage with ncbi to either purchase technology or maybe they've got some grant aided technology whether it's software or hardware th- those things usually cross across to your desk at some point don't they 
Uh, yeah, I suppose uh, grant aided or bought from us, I'd, I'd be sort of looking after the administration of, of the whole sort of sales processing of it from the ordering from our suppliers to configuring before it goes out and then sort of the delivery to the service users as well, just contacting them, making sure that they're available for a delivery and then right down to if there's a problem with it, that it normally goes to Paul or the trainers and then it can come back to me as well. So Okay, so if something comes back to you, because I know, and we just talked about this actually off air before we before we start this interview, because I suppose we, we do encourage people to contact Paul in the first instance, and you've heard all about Paul in previous podcasts and your local trainers, but when things do come back to you and some Sometimes people call about hardware queries. What what would help when someone calls up? What what can make that whole process as smooth as possible for everyone? Um, it's trying to. Most of the time, I will know um, from your name and address what type of hardware you have. But if you have the the make and model, it's always a bonus because otherwise, I'm just trying to search through my records to find out what you have or describing products of what I think that you might have. So I mean, it's always a bonus to know exactly what the the device is um, that you're having problems with. It's fine it's a, if it's a PC or software, we, we'll know exactly what it is. It's more the, the sort of CCTV and magnification aids that troubleshooting is a lot easier if we know the exact device. Okay, and I suppose in terms of your workload, and we've just touched on some of the other things you're doing here internally within NCBI, people, if people can get to, to their trainer or to Paul first, it, they may get a quicker solution, mightn't they? They will, yeah. Um, I'm supposed primarily supposed to be here as a backup, Paul's backup, or um, the trainer's backup when they're having issues. So, I mean, I'd be lost if Paul wasn't there. So I think you should definitely be channeled through him and the trainers first. Anyway, okay. Yeah. okay. I, I know one of the things you've been involved in the last couple of years is bringing our uh, technology exhibitions into NCBI. We, we had one last year, and we're going to have one, I think, next year. What's that? What's that experience been like? Just kind of getting suppliers and getting people together, and clearly you're getting some good feedback from it. Yeah, I mean the suppliers are happy to come over. Um, in the majority, most of them are anyway. Um, I think when we were over in um, Site City in Germany, there as well, we picked up a few other suppliers who who would like to to come back over, mm. who haven't been over in a while. So I mean, th- there is interest from suppliers in coming over. It's just how to sort of um, manage that um, and the ex- expectations of the service user. Of, we can't get everyone over, so we try and pick the the products that we do and maybe mix it in with some that we, we hope to do in the future. Okay. There's lots of people purchasing technology now, I suppose, from all sorts of sources outside of NCBI. We've talked about this with Paul before. People are coming to us with you know, iPads or Android tablets or whatever. Um, are, are you finding a, a, this that there's that there's a I suppose a, a different trend. People are coming to you with a piece of technology, saying, "I got this tablet. You know what can what can NCBI do with it for me?" Uh, yeah, we we do see it. We actually get a lot of calls before people buy as well, sort of act, asking for recommendations or what apps are available or I'm trying to do this. What what do you recommend? So. Yeah, I mean, we try to keep abreast of, of, of most things that are going out, but we can't keep on top of everything. So sometimes we play catch-up, sometimes we're ahead of the curve. It depends, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. We, we couldn't uh, let you on without asking a little bit about Windows 10, because as we record, Windows 10 has just been released, and I know we made an announcement on last month's podcast to ask people to hold off. I think you'd still be standing by that, would you? Uh, yes, for the moment. I mean, I was hoping to get it on my machine at home. I was waiting, waiting patiently for it to sort of oh say, oh, God. you're upgrade ready. Please go <laughs> ahead. 
<laughs> I sort of uh, I'm sick of waiting now, so I'm going to download the, the media myself and do yeah. it. So, okay. Um, I've had a play with the beta. Uh, it seemed okay, but I, I'd prefer to have a couple of weeks under my belt yeah. for Windows. Uh, the full version and just test it with a few apps. Because I suppose at the moment we're still not sure how well all the assistive technologies we would support will work with it. It's true. I mean, a lot of them will come out and say, oh, yes, we fully support Windows 10 as it is at the moment, but uh, you never know. Um, I, if, if it wasn't your primary device, I'd say, yeah, go ahead, have a play with yourself. If you only have the one machine, definitely wait until we're sure. Okay, and we're going to spend a bit of time with Paul Trainer in September talking about Windows 10. So if you've, if you've got queries, we'll try to get through those on the September podcast. There, there's so much, you, you clearly use so much technology in your in your personal life and here in work, and you are exposed to so much technology and you have to support so much. What, what frustrates you about technology? Um, well, I don't know if it's a frustration or it, it's, it's how fast things are changing. I like it, but yeah, sometimes it can, it can be a bit much like you just get used to something and then, then it changes again. But yeah. I mean, I don't see it as a frustration, I see it as a challenge, and I, I like that type of thing anyway. So I, I like learning new things. So, I mean, how do, you, how do you keep up? Because it's very difficult. I mean, I know I, I find myself having to always struggle reading, you know, BBC Tech or all these articles. Do, do you just sort of try to set time to, to just read up and find out what might be coming down the tracks? I just let you do it, Sue, and I listen to the podcast. <laughs> That's great. Like, yeah. listen, well, at least we know we've one listener. <laughs> So tell us, before we let you go, who's conscious of your time, um, what's, the, what's the one piece of technology that Colin Kenny is never without? If we took off you, would you make your life incomplete? It is probably my phone, I'd say. I mean, I do a lot of stuff on it. I have emails on it, but I listen to music, yeah. just browse the internet. I think it's the way everything's sort of going, mobile computing. So yeah, my phone. I, I did lose it while I was on holidays for a week before. And, it was even down to basic thing. That was my alarm clock as well. So. Yeah, yeah. And and actually, because you switched, didn't you, from from iOS to to, to Android? I and did. Just as yeah. a even as a, a sided person, outside of the whole accessibility sphere, are you finding a, a difference overall, or, or are they roughly doing the same thing? I mean, if you boil it down to it, they're roughly doing the same thing. Yeah, they're doing email, they're browsing, they're just doing it in different ways. I mean, the reason I switched from Apple was because uh, I was just uh, sort of. I got a Spotify account, so I didn't need to be tied into the Apple sort of okay. iTunes. And yeah. now Apple have their own streaming one mm. as well. So, I mean, for me, I was just sort of, yeah, sort of... So was it something different? Something different. Mm. And Apple sort of seemed to be just churning out the same stuff every slight improvements and just expecting to pay a big whack for the phone. So Yeah. And I think that's interesting you say that because, of course, one of the things they're, they're, they're uh, claiming with iOS 9 is they're going to support it running on older devices because I think people have said exactly what you're saying, that people are expected to buy new hardware every year if they want to keep up with the thing. And it's a huge investment for people, especially if you're buying something SIM-free. Uh, it's true, yeah, but I think that I don't know if that's more to do with sort of making the the iWatch more compatible with older devices as well. So we'll see about that. <laughs> Just looking for more people to buy the Apple Watch. Of course, yeah. Brilliant. Well, Colin, it's always nice to chat with you, um, and I think it's been very interesting because people hear your name, see your email around, uh, and know that you're the person, I suppose, who does lots of things in NCBI. But I hope after this interview, people have a better sense of what it is you're doing. So again, thanks a million for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks a lot, Chip.
You're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast for August 2015. I do hope you're enjoying our program so far. As always, if you want to get in touch, technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. And many thanks to Colin Kenny. It's been really nice to catch up with Colin. Uh, I know a lot of people know his voice, have a chat with him on the phone. And um, I think it was nice to get a sense of who he is and what he's about and uh, that he likes his Android phone, I think, a little bit more over his old iPhone. Uh, now, we mentioned Windows 10 there. Colin, uh, again, has has asked, as you know, people to hold off just for a little while longer on upgrading Windows 10. Paul Trainer and myself are currently looking at Windows 10, so we decided to uh, hold off Paul's chat until September. In September, Paul and I are, are, are planning to uh, spend a bit of time talking about Windows 10, going through the good, the bad, and the absolutely terrible, I suppose. So if you've questions, if you've thoughts, if there's anything you want to ask about Windows 10, get the emails into technologypodcast.ncbi.ie as soon as you can, so we can put those questions to Paul. Now, speaking of Windows, it's uh, always important to know shortcuts, and who better to do shortcuts than Sharon Lyons? Hi, Stuart. How are you? I'm very good. We've had a busy month. You've had a busy yes. month, I know, and it's kind of, it's, I think it's at that time of the year, isn't it? End of July, August. People are kind of tired. People want oh, to break. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get a a bit of a a summer as well. Hopefully we will. Hopefully as people are listening to this podcast, they might be relaxing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's always nice to get feedback. Uh, You got some nice feedback yesterday in relation to Sharon's shortcuts. Yes, indeed. Yes, from uh, Dominique. So Dominique enjoys the the segment. And in fact, Dominique's been a regular contributor and will be joining us on the September edition, Sharon, to talk about her use of technology. Yes, she very much enjoys the shortcuts. And and she's had it given me a bit of a request she oh. got a request in okay. she? <laughs> um, she's interested in shortcuts for email and uh, internet I think so. internet's one of those ones that a lot of people ask about mm-hmm. and it's kind of interesting because and we'll talk about this when we talk about the internet I suppose but it's sometimes very difficult to people use the term teaching people how to use the internet it's quite difficult to do that because yes. every website's different, but you can teach people, you can give people strategies, I suppose. Or yeah, and when we come to it, maybe we'll pick a website, um, or if anybody's got any suggestions <laughs> of a website they'd like to know how to move around and, and find the information they want, um, we could give something like that a go. Absolutely. Technology podcast at ncbi.ie. Now, Sharon, I suppose following on from our last uh, segment, we were talking all about creating folders and uh, the difference between files and folders and knowing when you were at a file and a folder, mm-hmm. because the importance of file management can't be, can't be underestimated. Oh, absolutely. Like it's, um, it, you just work so much better on the computer if you, if you know where your files are and <laughs> if they're organized in some way. Um, I remember, you know, uh, visiting people and even having friends who'd either throw everything into the documents folder, just lump it all in, or uh, the one that is my pet hate, people who, who just fill their desktop with files. I don't know how they find anything. Oh, no, that's not a good idea. So. <laughs> that can actually, I think that can actually slow down your computer if you put everything on the desktop. Okay. Um, yeah, so you're better off not. So, not so if you were, I suppose if you were at a point where maybe you're listening to this podcast and you say, yeah, that's me the desktop or the documents um i want to do a bit of cleaning you might want to you might need to know how to how to find the files to clean how to copy them and move them and 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 move them somewhere else yeah 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 and um and we're going to have a look at at doing something like that today so um we have our, our computer set up here as usual and we have our um shortcut to documents on the desktop 
So I'll go to the desktop. Windows D, desktop, folder view, list view, documents, dash, shortcut, 15 of 23. To move the items, use the arrow keys. To edit the selected item, press F2. Now, he um, read my mind <laughs> and remembered that I wanted to go to, to documents, or I was just there, probably. Um, but if I wasn't on documents, I would press D, and it would go through everything, beginning with D, on the desktop. D, dolphin guide. We also have dolphin guide. You probably remember that from last time. D, documents, dash, shortcut. There we go. Okay. So we're going to press enter on documents. Enter, documents, items, view, multi-select, list box, not selected, I squared, one of 14. And actually, just before we get into kind of selecting and copying and moving files, um, it might be useful for people to know how to put a shortcut on the desktop. Because it's very handy if there's one folder that you use very regularly, um, it might be handy to put... To put a shortcut to it on the desktop so you can go straight there rather than having to go to documents first. Absolutely, and, 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 and JAWS normally tells you, doesn't it, that it's a shortcut. It said there, oh, yes, the, yeah. the, word, the, na the name shortcut. Yeah. Absolutely, and, um, and a shortcut on the desktop isn't like a file on the desktop. A shortcut is a very small um, piece of information that sits um, on your desktop that, that points to the actual file. It's a bit like a link, really, isn't it? Because it, it links, it, it creates a link to another another location, I suppose. It does, yeah. And a link is just a pointer. It's, yeah. it's not a like a large file or anything, so it doesn't take up space on your on your desktop, and it's not going to slow your computer down. And so you can put loads of shortcuts in your oh, desktop. Yeah. I suppose. Okay. Go, go mad. Okay, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, you can always press the first letter of, of what you want to get there on the desktop. So um, we created a folder with that wonderful shortcut. Do you remember the shortcut, Stuart? Yes, because I've, and it's funny, I've used it several times since, Control, Shift and N oh, to create a folder. I, I think that's brilliant. It saved me so much time. It's so neat. Um, so uh, we created a, a podcast files folder. So if I press P in my documents, P, podcast files. That takes me straight there because it's the only folder beginning with P and the folders are always um, organised uh, generally at the top of the list of files. So we're on the podcast files folder and then to create a shortcut on the desktop I press the applications key, one of my favourite keys on the keyboard, uh, which is the equivalent of a right click as I think we've said before. So I press the applications key. Applications, context menu, to navigate, press up or down arrow, O, open, O. And then I'll arrow down to something called send to Open a new window. Eat. Share with submenu. It restore previous version. Scan for viruses. Add to archive. Dot. Add to quote podcast. Compress an email. Dot. Dot. Compress to quote podcast files. Dot. Send to submenu. Ed. Send to submenu. So I've got an extra menu there. So I press enter. Enter. Compressed left parent zip right parent folder. C. And this is when you want to compress a folder. Although we won't be covering that today. But if I arrow down in the um, <coughs> options on send to. Desktop, left parent, create shortcut, right parent, D. There we go. We have desktop, create shortcut. So I'm going to press enter on that. Enter, leaving menus, documents, items, view, multi-select, list box, podcast files, 7 to 14. And we're still in our, our documents. So if I go to the desktop now. Windows D, desktop, folder, view, list, view, documents, dash, shortcut, 15 of 24. To move to items, use the arrow keys. To edit the selected item, press F2. Okay. <laughs> he has a lot to say sometimes. He does. And... Um, yeah, I can press P for podcast files, and I should get to the 
shortcut that I've just created. Fantastic. And I press enter. Now, um, there's actually nothing in that podcast files folder. We just created it last time, um, but it's gone straight to straight to the folder. Okay. So it brings you immediately to wherever that folder is saved. Yeah. Uh, it brings you to that location. It could be down in the depths of submenu, uh, subfolders, and more subfolders, <laughs> and it will take you straight there. So it could save a lot of time if it's something you use regularly. So uh, we've created a desktop shortcut. We know how to get to folders. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we may want to copy or move files between some of those folders. Yeah. So if I go back to the documents. Alt tab documents documents items view multi select list box podcast files seven to fourteen. Okay, so I'm back on the folder podcast files. So um, let's say I want to copy some files from the documents into that folder. So I'll just arrow down here and see what we've got. Trainees local files basics.html Example Microsoft Word document one dot example Microsoft Word document two dot example PDF document dot PDF PowerPoint practice.pptx test for podcast.docs. Well, that test for podcast, remember that was when we were playing in Word mm-hmm. 2010. Um, so I think I'll move that into the podcast files folder. And there's, there's two different ways of kind of, of, of working with files. You can either copy them or you can cut them. And if you copy them, if I copied that into the podcast files, I'd have two. Uh, two instances of that file. So and there's two stages to this. So you find what you want to move or what you want to copy and and you um, if we're going to move it we use the the cut shortcut which is control X. So control X to cut and I always remember that because I think of an X like a pair of scissors. Okay. So, <laughs> so control X is to cut so if I, I'm on the test for podcast. PowerPoint, right, test for podcast, yeah. docs. So I'm going to do control X. Cut selection to clipboard. And it says cut selection to clipboard. So that's the first step that I said, right, I'm going to put this in a temporary place for a minute while I go and move to where I want to actually put it permanently. So um, then I go to our podcast files folder, which I could do by uh, arrowing back up the list. But I also know I can press P. So... Podcast files. And it goes straight there. And I have to open that folder to actually put it into that folder. So uh, a lot of people think once you're on the folder, you could do, um, you could paste it there. But no, you have to open the folder to actually put it into the folder. It's like a, it's like trying to put something in a drawer without opening the drawer yeah. first. It's yeah. not going to work. It's just going to fall on the floor. Okay. So, <laughs> So um, we open the podcast files folder. Enter podcast files. Items view list box read only. To move to an item, press the arrow keys. Okay, and then I do the paste shortcut, which is Control V, V for Victor. Paste it from clipboard. Items view multi select list box. Test for podcast dot docs. One it one. It's in. It's copied. Or yeah. it's, it's moved rather. Yeah. Yeah, it's moved. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose it's important to say, isn't it, when you do the, you mentioned the cut command a moment ago, Control mm-hmm. and X, and mm-hmm. you, you talk about the scissors, and you've put it in a temporary place. You know, when you do have it in that temporary place go and move it straight away, yes. paste it straight away, because if yes. you lose something or you cut something else, it gets gone. It's gone, isn't it? It's deleted. It's 
it's gone forever. It is, yes, and that's the scary bit. Yeah. So, um, I mean, if you if you cut it and then you think, oh gosh, where do I want to put it? Or the ring, the phone rings, or or something. Just press escape, and it will um, it will uncut if you like. Okay. <laughs> so if I did Control X here, cut selection to clipboard, um, and I pressed escape, escape, that will actually cancel the cut. If okay. you like. So, so if something happens, if you cut something inadvertently, pressing mm -hmm. escape will bring it back. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go back up to my main documents level. So backspace up a level. Documents, items, new multi-select list box, podcast files, 7 of 13. Okay. Now, what if I wanted to move several files into the podcast folder? Okay. So I can go down. Trainees local files, basics.html, example Microsoft Word document one dot doc. Now we have two example Microsoft Word documents here. And say I want to move both of them, example Microsoft Word document one and example Microsoft Word document two. If they're both together, I can just make sure I'm on the first one. And then I can hold down the shift key and arrow down to the second one. Selected. Example Microsoft Word document 2.doc. And now the both of them are selected. And I could, um, maybe I'll copy them this time for a laugh. Okay. So um, I'm going to do Control C to copy them this time. Copy selection to clipboard. And again, that's my first stage. I've copied them to the clipboard. And then I'll go up to podcast files again. D, not selected D, podcast files. Open the folder. Enter podcast files. Items view multi-select list box. Not and selected test for podcast dot docs. One yep. to one. There's our test for podcast that we moved earlier. And I'll do paste. Control V. Pasted from clipboard. Example Microsoft Word document two dot doc. And we should have the, the two of them there now. So if I arrow up. Example Microsoft Word document one dot doc. Perfect. Example Microsoft Word document two dot doc. There we go. Okay. And test for podcast dot docs. Test for podcast is there that we moved earlier. Actually, I didn't prove that I moved that, did I? <laughs> but if we go back, now I copied the example Word documents, but I moved, I cut the test for podcast. So if we go back up a level with the backspace. Shell folder view, items view, list box read only to move to an item, press the arrow keys, podcast so I, files. I, yeah, I know I'm on podcast files, thanks. Um, if I press E, I should, the example Microsoft Word documents should still be in this folder because I copied them. So I've, I've created another uh, instance of them in a different folder. So if I press E, E example Microsoft Word document one dot doc. There's a uh, document one. E example Microsoft Word document two dot doc. And then if I press T, the test for podcast file should not be there. So if I press T, T trainees local files. T T yeah, it's go. not yeah. there. There's something else beginning with T, but uh, not test for podcast. So, and that's because you moved the test for podcast, whereas you copied the other two. Yes. Now, what if your files aren't together and you want to move or copy them? Do we want to go there? Oh, let's go there. Cause it's, <laughs> and it's an interesting one because, and we'll talk about it when we're doing what they call multi-selecting. Multi um, yes. It, it can be, you really have to know what you're selecting, don't you, as you go yes. along? Yes, and it's, it can be tricky. And it's a different combination of keys. So... Um, I know that in this list of files we have um, a HTML file um, called basics and we have a file called PowerPoint practice. So um, one begins with B and one begins with P and they're not together. So if I arrow down 
basics.html. Basics, that's, that's one file I want to, to copy. Oh, actually, yeah, I'll move them this time. Example Microsoft Word document one okay. doc. But I don't want to do anything with that example. So I'll go back up to basics. Basics.html. Basics.html is selected at the moment. And then this time, instead of holding down the shift, I hold down the control key, right? So I've got control held down and I'm going to move with the arrow keys to the second file that I want to move. Not selected example Microsoft Word, not selected example Microsoft Word document 2.doc. And because I've got the control held down, it's not selecting the files as I go. Not selected example PDF document .pdf, not selected PowerPoint practice .pptx. Well, that's the one I want now. So I actually, to select that, I actually press the space bar. Control space PowerPoint practice .pptx. And, okay. and, and as you went down with the arrow, uh, JAWS says not selected to yes. tell you the files aren't selected. Yes. I think the biggest problem I've found with this, Sharon, sometimes is mm. if, you're collect if you're selecting a lot of files and you may have forgotten which ones did I select which, and if you have a, an awful a long list of files, you can't use the alphabetic uh, you can't what do you call it? Uh, you can't use the, the first letter navigation. Mm -hmm. So you need to, I suppose, keep this control key held down. And the other thing to be very careful is if you forget what you've selected, or you release the control key for a moment, and maybe uh, you inadvertently hit another key, you undo all your nice selection. Yes, yes. So you so. have to be very careful. <laughs> um, so now I've got those two files selected, um, and I'm going to move them. So like gambling here. Um, so I'm going to do Control X to cut them from where they are. Cut selection to clipboard. And then I'm going to go to my podcast files. Not selected podcast files. I'm going to open it. Remember, I have to open the folder to put them inside the folder. Enter podcast files. Items view multi select list box. Not selected example Microsoft Word document one dot doc. What I copied earlier. Um, and then I'll do my paste Control V. Paste it from clipboard. PowerPoint practice .pptx. Okay, and then if I go to the top, remember home key would take us to the top of the list. Home, basics.html. Basics. Okay. Example Microsoft That's Word. Example Microsoft sample. Word document. PowerPoint practice.pptx. PowerPoint practice is there. Test for podcast. Docs. And test for podcast. And those files now have been moved from the, from the folder of where we selected them. Yes. So, so they're gone. Yeah, so we can go back up a level. Documents, items, new multi select list box, podcast file. And if I press B. B. There's nothing there's there because Basics okay. has gone and P. P. Podcast files. There's only the Podcast folder. files is the only one I know as a, as a general rule I find myself if I'm if I'm sorting files on a computer on the one drive I'm I'm tending to move a lot more but if I'm maybe moving files to a USB stick or mm -hmm. another device and I want to keep the original files I find myself using the copy command. Copy, yeah, yeah. And and if if you're not sure about kind of um moving files with the control X you can always copy them put them somewhere else and then go back and delete the originals yeah. if you yeah. wanted to um, and also if you're not sure about selecting files that aren't uh, in like a sequential order that aren't um, all together in one list what you can do with shift like we said if if you're not sure about using the control and pressing the space bar and selecting them separately just just move one at a time 
Okay. It might take you slightly longer, but if, you, if you're just not confident with using those keystrokes, it might be better, rather than running the risk of losing a file, it might be better just to do it, um, you know, it's also probably important. It's also probably important to say, Sharon, that what you've done there it can also be applied to folders the, the very same way. So you might yes. you've a bit of a folder with subfolders with lots of files, and you want to move the entire thing. Yes. Absolutely no problem. Yeah. Yeah. You just uh, you just select the folder um, and copy it. Control C. Go to where you want to put the folder and Control V. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, if you need to. I suppose backing up is a whole is a whole subject in itself in a way, mm-hmm. but everybody should be, you know, we should all be backing up in whatever way we're doing it. Some of us are doing cloud backups. Some of us like to keep a backup ourselves in a separate location at home, maybe. And, and I think a lot of people are still using USBs, although I was watching Dragon's Den last year and, mm-hmm. and someone said, oh, USBs will be a thing of the past in three years. So let's see if they, if they were right. I, I, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, that's what they were saying. Oh, uh, sometimes they're just what? handy to move something from one computer to the other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I find, yeah, 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 carrying something with you and you can stick it in your pocket. So when you're backing up something, copying data, this is the type of um, this type of procedure you would advise for that as well? Yep, yep, um, yep, control C to copy, uh, but you need to put your memory stick in, obviously, and, and open where you want to put the, the backup into your memory stick. So I have a memory stick here okay. that we can try out, so I'll just pop it into the Brilliant. USB. There it is going in. So Nantech endpoint protection colon application of device control rule on or undone in Thunderline read file as blocked. That's our in-house antivirus system getting upset, but we should be okay. It's fine, Nantech, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. I know what I'm doing, don't worry. Um, okay, so I just had to escape out of that. Um, so it depends on how your computer is set up but sometimes when you put a memory stick in it might do some kind of auto run uh, where you can um, it will it will detect the memory stick straight away and you can have some choices of whether to look at photos or listen to music off of that memory stick or what I usually do is just open folder to view files but uh, if you escape out of that like I just did or, um, or if, you, if your computer doesn't have that kind of auto run set up you can always do Windows E uh, for the Explorer window and the remote, the removable disk, which is your memory stick, should come up in that list. So Windows E. Windows E, computer, items, view, multi-select list box, hard disk drives expanded, not selected, local disk, left parent, C, colon, right parent. And if I arrow down. Devices with removable storage, DVDRW, drive, left parent, D, colon, right, USB disk, left parent, E, colon, right parent. And there's my USB disk. Now, sometimes, depending on the way... Do you remember we talked about the way files are viewed mm-hmm. in lists or details or, or things like that? So um, you might find you, you'll have to arrow left and right to find your removable disk. But um, I have mine set up as, a, as, as details, which means it's in one, a nice list. Um, so I'm going to press Enter on USB disk to open my... Um, Memory stick. Enter. USB disk left parent E colon right parent. Items view multi-select list box. Not selected BTEC diploma and rehabilitative studies. 05 slash 04 slash 2012 Well, that was a while ago. Um, there's a good example of why you'd use a memory stick. Um, when I did the, uh, I did some uh, course and every time I changed one of the files in my course, one of the assignments, I would copy it and paste it onto my um 
onto my memory stick. So I had a, a continuous backup of everything I did. Right, and, and of course now you also have a backup, you know, that's what, 2012, it was three yeah. years ago. Yep. And you still have it. Yes, I have it there, so I can always go and refer to, to it. I also probably have it on two other in two other places as yeah. well, <laughs> just yeah. to make sure. But, um, you know, it's just, it's mostly text documents anyway, so it doesn't take up a lot of space. But now I'm going to put the podcast files folder onto this memory stick. So I need to switch back. I have the memory stick open. Um, if I wanted to put it into a particular folder on the memory stick, then I could arrow down and, and find a place. But I'm just going to stick it on the, the top level um, directory of the of the memory stick so i'll switch back to my documents hold tab documents items view multi-select list box podcast files 7 of 11 and i'm going to do control c copy selection to clipboard and then i'm going to switch back hold tab usb disk left parent equal and right parent usb disk left parent equal and right parent and i'm going to do control paste it from clipboard podcast files and now that's on my USB stick as well as on Old the documents. documents. Items view multi-select list box podcast files. So we still hear it there, and you've made mm-hmm. a backup. And I suppose it's also important to say the podcast files folder at the moment is very small. We have a couple of files in it, but mm-hmm. in particular, I do a lot of backups of audio. In fact, for this very podcast, I have a folder on my external hard drive in the studio that has every podcast we ever made, and there's backups of most of the interviews. And every so often, that folder gets backed up, and that's at this stage several gigabytes in size yeah, that would be a lot bigger, um, yeah. so that takes quite a while to mm-hmm. back up so sometimes your copying may take a while and you usually will get a little progress indicator by your screen reader mm-hmm. telling you that the files are copied so you just have to sit and wait yeah yeah you can just like, like let it go and, uh, and go and have a cup of tea or something uh, yeah, a cup of tea <laughs> solves all yeah absolutely. okay so control c to copy control x will move or cut mm-hmm. a file mm-hmm. uh, control v of course is paste and i'm sure sharon people remember those commands from some of the things we did in microsoft word in the past yes that's right and and they're kind of the keys are all together on the keyboard as well you've got uh, down on the bottom row left hand side you've got x C and then V all yeah. together so it's a good way of remembering yeah. and that's the beauty of a lot of these commands they, can, they are very transferable in different applications they so are yes yeah, they easy. work with a lot of different things yeah Okay, Sharon, as always, thank you. Send emails for suggestions, comments, questions to technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. One last thing. One last thing, okay. Sorry, Stuart. Um, We have to eject our memory stick. Very important. Uh, You need to eject your memory stick before you uh, pull it out of the computer because you can potentially corrupt some files on it if you take it out without ejecting it first. Okay. Okay. So I need to close the the, um, memory stick uh, window that I had the Explorer window. Hold tab. USB disk left parity folder. Hold F4. Documents. Items view multi select. That's documents. I can leave that. And then I do Windows B for the system tray. Windows B. System tray safely remove hardware and eject media button to move between the buttons. Use the left and right arrows. Now I don't need to move between the buttons because I want to safely remove hardware and mm-hmm. eject media. So I'll press Enter on that. Enter. Context menu, open devices and printers to navigate, press up or down arrow O. And I arrow down and I should have my USB disk there. Eject USB disk 2.0 E. There we go, press enter on that. Enter, safe to remove hardware, call it a USB mass storage device. Device can now be safely removed from the computer. There we go. And I suppose that is really important because sometimes there can be files open. 
that you might know about, isn't that right? And yes. if you reject it, they won't be saved. Yes, that's it, yeah. And it, and it can kind of potentially mess up the files on, on the memory stick yeah, as well. I've, I've heard of people who've had memory sticks uh, destroyed because they weren't ejected. So definitely oh, a good, good yeah. point. Yeah. Okay, yeah. thanks, Sharon. Technology podcast at NCBI.ie. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you in September. Yes, indeed. Have a good summer, everyone. Thanks. Well, it's always good to see blogs talking about accessibility. It's even better, though, when those blogs are Irish, and even better again when they're in relation to vision impairment. Well, someone who's been doing a bit of blogging lately is John O'Regan. He's living in Cork and joins us on Skype from Cork. John, welcome to our technology podcast. Hi, Stuart. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Good to have you. Um, Before we talk about the blog, which is called the A11Y Files, um, and, and I have a a particular pet hate about A11Y, by the way, which we might come back to in a minute. Um, just, just tell us a little bit about yourself, because you, you're a you you do have a computer background, don't you? Uh, I do, I do. I uh, I studied uh, computer studies uh, at UCC, and uh, I started a post grad, uh, which went on ad infinitum, and then uh, fate uh, intervened, and uh, I uh, had retinal problems back in '03, and uh, yeah, I've sort of been laid up ever since okay so i imagine technology then is playing a, a huge part in your life since then i mean what was there were you transitioning you you were sort of your no um, no it was uh it was a bolt out of, it was uh yeah it fell on me it fell on it didn't uh, yeah it was a bolt out of the blue it really was uh you know i mean you you never think something like that's going to happen to you you know that you'll suffer retinal detachments and then uh, you know, retinopathy, and you know you'll lose most of your useful sight. You, you don't, you don't, you don't dwell on these things. You don't think it's ever going to happen to you. Uh, in retrospect, maybe I should have, because uh, I had, I always had, you know, uh, eyesight difficulties. But so yeah, I had to learn assistive technology from scratch. I had to learn all about Jaws and NVDA and uh, the iPhone, and you know. I was thrown in at the deep end, yeah. It, 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 uh, it was an adjustment, yeah. What's that like coming from, you know, using a, a mouse and, and I guess flying around and maybe doing a lot of things faster, I don't know, to having to rely more or less fully on speech? Is it, is it, is it, a, hu- is it, a, is it very different? It, it is very different, but um, it, was a, it was a steep learning curve, uh, the uh, L-shaped learning curve, as they say. But... Uh, um, Ah, you get used to it after a while, you know, it just becomes second nature because uh, I spend so much time in front of the computer, you know, uh, eventually it just rubs off and uh, you just get used to it. One thing I noticed, I, I used to, I remember I used to listen to music a lot, you know, while I was typing away on the computer. I, I can't do that anymore um, because if either I'm listening to music or I'm listening to the Jaws and if I'm listening yeah. to music, I can't hear what Jaws is saying and if I'm, if I, uh, if I, uh, <laughs> if I'm uh, listening out for Jaws, then uh, the music just gets in the way. So, uh, yeah, I just lost all interest in music. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people say that even when you adjust the volumes, mm. and, you know, to make it, to make the balance better or maybe make your music a little bit lower in the mix, a lot of people can't focus on both. Um, no. So, <laughs> certainly not the first I've heard say that. 
Um, so tell us the, the 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 blog you've written, and I know you've been writing. I I saw you uh, for a, a while ago on a couple of email lists, in particular uh, the the VIP students run that's by right, Paul. Yeah, I'm a regular contributor there. Um, and I suppose what I liked I, I liked your writing style and the fact that you had <laughs> quick and concise uh, solutions to questions that people were sending in. Mm, um, I try, and, and I guess that that kind of got you interested in in writing the blog. Then did it? It did, you know, um, because uh, I'm using assistive technology, like I'm, I, I call it uh, uh, accessibility from an end user's perspective. Because I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm at the bottom of the uh, proverbial food chain, and uh, I've, you know, this stuff is imposed upon me, like Jaws, NVDA, and the uh, the iPhone, and uh, like they throw you these things, and you just have to learn how to use them. And it's not like you can, if you don't like some feature or aspect of it, it's not like you can reprogram it yourself. You know, not not, not too many people have those kinds of skills. So you have to come up with other strategies uh, and workarounds to uh, get it to do what you want, the way you want it to do it, uh, the, the way you want it done. So, and, um, yeah, I just, and, and, um, Answering questions on the mailing lists, you know, made me think there's lots of people out there and, you know, maybe they don't, not everyone has the technical know-how to uh, get around these problems. Okay. And, and it's interesting you mentioned the idea that, you know, there are all these issues that you have to deal with. You can't just fix them, or at least unless you're a, um, a highly skilled programmer, you can't fix them. No. I, I tend to find, and I know people have said it, once you accomplish or conquer one, there's usually another one just around the corner that, exactly, that you're going to have to yeah. get, you know? Yeah. So it strikes me that a blog like this, uh, musing on, I suppose, different aspects of technology and, and mm. just having a look at some of the stuff you wrote, um, for example, you had an, an article called Has Facebook Turned Over a New Leaf, which you wrote yeah. in May. And, and it, I, I think it, it kind of has, hasn't it? Well, uh, yeah, the mood music has been very good lately. Uh, I remember trying to use Facebook before and uh, just finding the whole thing a frustrating experience. If you went onto the main site, it was just slow. It was just so slow and unresponsive. And it was, there was just so many things going on uh, on the main page at the, at the one time that everything slowed down to a crawl and um, eventually the browser would just stop altogether. So I, 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 I tried going on to the, the, the mobile version of the website and, and uh, the trouble with, which is a lot better, only the trouble with that is um, it, it doesn't have all the features of the main site. So you can't do everything on the mobile site that you can do on the main site. So uh, it's either, you know, you're, you have to make a choice. You have to make this Hobson's choice between having the uh, the, the full-featured site, which is, uh, very sluggish and difficult to use, or you uh, settle for a cut-down version of the of the Facebook site, uh, you know, and uh, effectively you're you're treated as a second-class citizen, you know, because just you're be excluded, you know, yeah, just because you happen to be using um, yeah. alternative methods to access mm -hmm. Facebook, yeah, and. and you know, I, I think it's fair to say Facebook have over the last six or eight yes. weeks. I suppose they've, they've, had all they've these made a huge keys. effort now. Yeah. They've they've, they've uh, hired a, a dedicated accessibility team, and they've made um, genuine efforts. I think to uh, try and improve things and make it uh, more usable for for uh, more people. 
Okay. You have another article here about NVDA and, and I oh, know yeah. I know you've been sort of talking a lot about NVDA on some of the email lists. Mm. I would I would consider you as a pretty much um, an expert user of NVDA. You don't I mean I I I'm I, I I've hear, I hear so many people talking about it and in an education context it's something that we are recommending a lot more in NCBI, but I personally don't use it. Do you think it's a it's a contender to JAWS? Are you, are you using it more than you're using JAWS nowadays, or where does it fit into your life? Uh, well, NVDA works with uh, some program uh, some programs better better than JAWS does. There's uh, that's true. I've set up I set up NVDA and JAWS to uh, coexist. So, um, like uh, I've I've a favorite text editor called uh, Notepad Two, and um, it doesn't work with JAWS at all. Uh, but it does work fine with NVDA, so um, I just uh, I've just learned to swap them in and out. Um, like I, I tell Jaws to ignore Notepad two, and I tell NVDA to ignore things like um, the taskbar and um, Internet Explorer and things like that. I mean, it just goes back to what I was saying earlier about finding workarounds uh, when you're not, you know, a programmer. <laughs> Mixing and matching your technology, yeah. I suppose. Um, but yeah, NVDA, I mean, it's been going now for, uh, God, when was it? 07, 08. And it's come on in leaps and bounds, I think. And um, uh, before, uh, NVDA was a bit of a, a novelty. But um, now, it's, uh, now it's a serious contender for, for, uh, for, for Jaws' uh, number one spot there. It's also a great uh, model of how the open source community can really work, isn't it? All these people contributing add-ons and yeah. you know, little, little scripts for it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I suppose people always working away on making it better. Um, the, it, 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 you know, it does have that community feel, doesn't it? It does. It does. Uh, so tell us, the, the other thing, you, you, you mentioned your, um, your iPhone a little while ago and having to get used to the iPhone and that whole touchscreen oh, yeah. idea. Um was that was that a was that a challenge for you coming from? It a, was. Yeah. It was. Uh, uh, I don't know how the iPhone uh, made it through uh, <laughs> the transition period. There, uh, it's a wonder I didn't uh, uh, throw it against the wall. At, uh, it could be. It was very frustrating to begin with. I think um, we've all been there. I think we've all done it. But uh, it was worth it in the end. Uh, I tell you what did it for me. Now we've 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 Sky TV here at home, and uh, the uh, I downloaded the Sky Plus app onto my iPhone and uh, it was like a revelation uh, it was just I could I could do practically everything through the Sky Plus app that uh, you can do using the uh, Sky Remote Control like I, I can see on my iPhone now I can see what's on the uh, Sky Plus box and I can delete programs and I can go into the TV guide and I can put programs into the planner and I can see what's on the TV later tonight. Fantastic level of access. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that that um, that incentivized me to learn how to uh, learn all the uh, iPhone's little, uh, little uh, nuances. Yeah. And I suppose usually it, that's all it takes, isn't it? If you have one or two reasons, even one reason, to use a product to, yes. that you really need it, that's enough to get you learning, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. So, are you a, a Mac person as well, or is it? Is it no, no, 
no, PC. Really PC. Just apart from the iPhone. Okay, okay, same as myself. So in terms of the 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 blog, we, we'll put a, a link on the on the show notes, um, Great, and thanks. hopefully people will will keep an eye on that and and, uh-huh. and um, get in touch and comment on the on the different articles. Uh, tell us just just before we we let you go, what do you think is missing at the moment in terms of technology, or, or what what what's the thing that that you think you'd most like to see? Uh, coming coming down the line? I, I guess mobility is a big problem for me. I'm not a dog person. Everyone keeps saying to me, John, get a dog. I, I, I don't want a dog. Please. Um, but yeah, mobility is... Uh, if they could do something about mobility... Like, I know they have all these um, sat-nav things. But, um, I mean, that's that's fine if you're traveling in a car and, you know, it only has to be accurate to 10 meters or something. But when you're on foot and you can't see well you need pinpoint accuracy don't you and um have you have have you tried any of the apps like uh, blind square for example or, or the uh, no i have i've, I've read about them but yeah, i haven't yeah. tried them no okay. so, uh, that's another issue because these all these gps apps right they just suck the life out of your battery that's a problem so we need something that uh, might do that i suppose is what you're looking for well some some new innovation in the uh, in the area of mobility now, like 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 the uh, these uh, self driving cars I keep hearing about. They all seem to be five years away. Like five years ago, I was hearing about these uh, self driving cars that they were five years away, and uh, they're still yeah, five years and they, away, and, and they might be in another ten years as well. Yeah, it might be yeah. a while before we get them on the roads. Okay, well, look, we can you can find the A11Y files. I mentioned at the beginning that I have a bit of an issue with A11Y. There was a very interesting uh, discussion on Twitter before, John. I, I don't know where you sit on this one, uh, but uh, I suppose there were some people saying, just say accessibility, and others saying, no, you need to make it shorter to get into a tweet, and then we can talk more about accessibility. So I, I understand <laughs> both sides, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I don't know. A11Y just sometimes, sometimes well, gets at yeah. me. But John, okay. seriously, thank you for talking to us. We'll put the uh, we'll put this on our show notes, and uh, I hope we'll keep in touch with you and talk to you soon. But for the moment, thanks a million. All right, Stuart. Thank you very much to John O'Regan there for that interview. Really nice interview. And, you know, John's a lovely guy to talk to because I'd seen his name on, on email lists for quite a while. I'd been emailing him for a while to set up this interview. But the first time we spoke was on Skype when we recorded that interview. And he's just a really nice guy, as I think you will have gotten from our chat. And make sure to check out his blog, the link for which is on the show notes for this month's episode. Now, that's just about it for August. I hope you've enjoyed our podcast. Thank you for listening subscribing and downloading and thank you to our contributors of course uh, John O'Regan Ed Rogers Sharon Lyons and of course to Colin Kenny our information systems manager here at NCBI we'll be back in September with Paul Trainer talking Windows 7 and Dominique Farrell talking about the technology she uses as a visually impaired person until then from Stuart Lawler take care goodbye have a great month and see you in September bye bye